Cultivating Place is made possible in part through the generosity of the Caddo Shaw Foundation. Cultivating Place is also made possible through support from the Garden Conservancy. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Can you believe it's already back to school season? This week, we look to what back to school means for our lifelong learning and plants. We're in conversation with members of the Miami University of Ohio, engaged with Miami's Institute for Environment and Sustainability, their Masters of Environment program, and Institute for Food Farm, to learn more about just a few of the ways plant and horticultural and ecological information are integrated into the daily life of Miami's curriculum. Ross Olson is the coordinator of Miami's Institute for Food Farm. Colin Valentino is an IES grad student doing a summer client project practicum with the farm, and Aisley Carpenter is a student worker at the farm, and they are all with Cultivating Place this week to share more. Ross, Colin, and Aisley, welcome to Cultivating Place. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This is a great opportunity. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. So I have given a very brief introduction. I would love to have you each introduce yourselves. Give us your title and the sort of departments with which you are associated and distill down for me in sort of that two-minute elevator pitch of what the importance or role of plants is in your life right now. Let's start with you, Ross. My name is Ross Olson, and I am uh, the Assistant Director of Operations and the Coordinator for the Miami Institute for Food Farm. And I can speak a little bit more about my role, or I can leave it at that. Let's have you wait on your exact role when we go into a full description of the food farm. And so just go into your distillation of the importance of plants in your life, Ross. Okay. So going into a little bit more of my background and how I perhaps got to be here today. When I was an undergrad, probably around the same same age as Colin and Aisley, when I was back in Northern California in another life, I took kind of a an interest in some books that I was reading about ethnobotany and the relationship of uh, the native peoples in Northern California to plants and their environment and how they survived. And that sort of led me on a path to being involved in a program in the Shasta Trinity National Forest that had to do with plant restoration and native plant propagation. And I was simultaneously taking courses um, at the community college there at College of the Siskiyous, and I later transferred to Humboldt State University at the time, now uh, Cal Poly Humboldt where I got my degree in rangeland resource management and wildland soils, which is essentially, I think, Humboldt's equivalent. Well, maybe not the equivalent. It's a slightly different program. They, to, but but a, a similarly equivalent environmental science and natural resources management program to what Miami has with IES, as we call it, or the Institute for Environment and Sustainability. Mm -hmm. So as of right now, in the role I currently find myself in here in Oxford, Ohio at Miami University, 
a big part of my job is working on this produce garden that we have at the farm mm-hmm. and planning, planting, harvesting crops each week for our CSA, which is our subscription produce program. It's the main source of revenue uh, for the farming activities that we that we operate. And um, every week we get all this food together that we've harvested, all this produce, and we bring it with us in a truck and set it out. And uh, we feed about 100 families a week uh, mm. that subscribe to the CSA um, with this bounty of various produce that we grew on Miami University owned property right there on at, at the university in town locally. Um, and every single thing that we bring, we grow. And I, I could go on about that, but I, I think my my relationship to plants at the farm has a lot to do with the opportunity to provide people with a connection to where they live and to nourishment and to the sense of joy that coming to get these these vegetables brings so many of the people that show up every week, week after week. Great. That's perfect. Thank you. And Colin, let's move to you. Um, tell us a little bit about your your title there and what that entails uh, very briefly, because we'll get more deeply into that as we go along. Um, but maybe the importance or, or role of plants in your life right now as well. My name is Colin Valentino. I'm a student with the um, uh, IES department with the environmental science, uh, helping out at the farm for the summer, helping them to standardize all of their procedures. And for me, my relationship with plants is it's pretty new. Uh, I came in, I came to Miami as a zoology student looking to study animals. And in the last year or so, that's kind of shifted away from animals more towards plants. I took a an introduction to horticulture uh, class last year, and that that was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I had a great time <laughs> with it, um, and I've always thought that it would be really cool to learn how to grow my own food. Uh, and so when I had the opportunity to work at the farm here over the summer, I kind of I leapt at that, and I've gotten a lot of cool experience so far. I've learned a lot of new things, some stuff that I'm definitely going to be putting into practice. I mean, on the table right next to me, I have my first two plants I've ever bought. I'm looking at them right now and I, I look at them every day and I'm like, wow, they're actually still alive. They're doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> what what are those plants, Colin? Uh, one of them is a snake plant and the other one, I cannot remember the name because I accidentally <laughs> threw away the informational tag when I got it. <laughs> but Okay, good. Yeah. You will get to know it. Someone will identify it for you. I'll figure it out. Yes, you will. Okay, great. And Aisley, let's let's come around to you. Give us this uh, this same kind of information. Your your name and um, your your title there as a student, or whatever you are doing, and the role of importance of plants in your life right now. Alrighty. Well, my name is Aisley, and I'm currently a Miami student I'm studying zoology with a sustainability co major. Mm-hmm. Um, Recently, I've taken a real interest in sustainable agricultural practices. And so, like Colin, I don't have a whole lot of um, botanical knowledge, but plants are kind of like my newfound 
interest. And so working at the farm has been a really great way to learn about that and be involved in the community. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are some pretty key threads that we've gotten to the idea of, of providing for community, of connecting community, of being in community, whether it's wildlife, whether it's plants, whether it's humans. And um, I think if you, if these are the two two or three lessons you leave higher educate your first round of higher education with, then you're doing just fine, actually. Aisley, let's keep on you for just a second. Uh, what year are you at Miami and where were you born and raised? And maybe give us any highlights to your background as to why you would have chosen zoology in the first place that would lead you to sustainability as well. Because of course, both zoology and sustainability are reliant on plants in some way or another. Yes. So I'm going into my um, senior year undergrad. Well done. Um, I, yeah, I was, I was actually born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina. But the last few years I've been living in Ohio. So I think, I think my sort of passion for life and understanding the world around me really comes from my grandmother. Um, she. I don't know. It's just her passions rubbed off on me and I just have a real interest in how the world works and why it works the way it does. Nice. Okay. Colin, I'm going to move to you and have you give us that same information. Where are you in your studies and uh, where were you born and raised that would have also taken you on a path towards zoology, but now um, moving into uh, at least a side gig of horticulture? So. Um... I am a grad student here at Miami. I just wrapped up my BS in biology and I'm working on my master's in environmental science. Uh, I was born in DC, but I was ra or raised in Pittsburgh. And when I was in high school, I had a professor who was really, really passionate and really great at zoology. And I took that class and it was, I think it was very clearly like a senior blow off class. It was the easy one that they took, but I loved it so much that I, I figured, hey, that's what I want to study. I want to go to Miami. I want to study animals. And then I came out here and I was having a great time. And eventually my interests started to, they started to meander and shift on over to plants a little bit instead. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, well, well, we'll get into more of that as we talk about the Institute for Food and IES and how all of these things are expressing themselves in these departments and programs. But first, let's go back to you, Ross. Tell us the same thing. Uh, you you started us on this path already by by telling us about some early influences in Northern California. How did you get to Miami? And uh, what is your, uh, you, you also started us on this, but remind us about your role at the Institute for Food and the farm. And, um, and then we'll get into a little bit of you describing the structure of IES, where the food for farm fits in, and we'll go from there. Thank you, Jennifer. I guess kind of going going back even even earlier, Aisley's comment kind of reminded me of this, that my my grandfather, um, who I grew up a few doors down from, had a real has always had a real interest in plants and gardening and, and was kind of a, a, a woodsman in Northern California. He worked for uh, a timber company out there and um, pursued all kinds of interesting gardening. We had spoken when you were last here about bonsai and he He's kept for many years, kept bonsai that he trained. And I think growing up with them, um, 
going out into the the northern California woods and um, being in his garden and helping him out really was my earliest, um, I guess, interest in plants and in nature. So moving forward, I went on to uh, go to Humboldt State, um, well, Cal Poly Humboldt, which he and my mom and my, my dad actually all uh, were students of or graduates oh, of. Nice. And coming out to Ohio is, is kind of an interesting story. I, I really um, ended up discovering Oxford through a friend of mine back in California who uh, was from here. His family is from here. He grew up in California his whole life. And I um, came out here on a trip just to visit. It's like he comes out here on vacation, of, of all things, from California to Ohio. And I connected with the place and and fell in love with it. And I guess you could say I decided that um, California was a, a great place to be from and to visit. And Ohio seemed like a great place to live. And so I'm I'm here and have been with the Institute for Food at Miami for only we're, we're going on a, a full year in my role here. But prior to that, been involved in some nonprofit work and with the local farmers market in the area. And that is sort of the path that led me to being involved with Miami and the Institute for Food through a steering committee that was formed for guiding and steering the course of uh, the future of this program at Miami. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. This week, we're speaking with three people at the Miami University of Ohio's Institute for Environment and Sustainability, or IES as it's known. Ross Olson is the coordinator of Miami's Institute for Food Farm, a project of IES. Colin Valentino is an IES graduate student doing a summer practicum with the food farm. And Aisley Carpenter is a student worker at the farm. Stay with us. We'll be right back for more. Cultivating Place is made possible in part by the Caddo Shaw Foundation. The Caddo Shaw Foundation funds initiatives that empower women and help preserve the planet through the rich intersection of environmental advocacy, social justice, and creativity. Cultivating Place is also made possible through support from the Garden Conservancy, a not-for-profit organization whose mission is to preserve, share, and celebrate gardens and America's gardening traditions. This fall, the Conservancy brings us Isabella Tree, the author of The Book of Wilding, to discuss how spectacularly nature can bounce back if we only give her a chance through wilding. And what comes is not just wildlife in superabundance, but also solutions to the other environmental crises we face. The speaking tour takes Isabella Tree to New York City on September 29th for the Garden Futures Summit, and then to Middleburg, Virginia on October 2nd, and St. Louis, Missouri on October 4th. For tickets and more information, go to gardenconservancy.org forward slash education. Hey, it's Jennifer. 
I really want you to track carefully here in this conversation the many layers of plant education that we are hearing about, starting with parents and grandparents, moving to the landscapes that surround us, and then on to teachers and professors whose passion inspires us, and on to our undergraduate and graduate, as well as professional pathways. Why do I think this is important? I think it's this, and I have certainly said it before, but if there is one thing this conversation makes clear, it's that we are never too late to start learning about and loving plants, and how plants support everything else we love, and that we love to continue learning about. Also, there is no point in life in which we do not have plenty more to learn and plenty more room to be inspired by plants and learning. I love these interconnections. I love how interdisciplinary they are, and I love how you can start wherever you are. We're back now to the first of a series of back-to-school-themed episodes devoted to plant education in school and in life. We're in conversation with folks from Miami University of Ohio's Institute for Environment and Sustainability, their Masters of Environment program, and their Institute for Food Farm. As we come back, Ross Olson, the coordinator of the Institute for Food Farm, is describing where the farm fits into the departmental structure at Miami. Welcome so back. There's, a, there's an interesting history to both the, the farm and the Institute for Food. And um, I'll, I'll just speak in, in general terms here. But the Institute for Environment and Sustainability is a sub-program of, it's its own separate entity. It's, it's like a center or an institute here at Miami that kind of has its roots in the natural sciences programs at Miami, earth like earth science, ge- geology, hydrology, and, and geography. And it's an interdisciplinary program that was created um, as a as a graduate degree. So both both Colin and Aisley are enrolled in this program. It's a terminal, I guess, masters that can either be gained by students who come who transfer to Miami in order to get their master's in environmental science, uh, but it's also an option for a student entering as a as an undergrad to take what they call it a four plus one program here. So you take four years of undergrad with some classes focused towards getting this master's degree and a final year to finish out the program, uh, ending up with a master's degree in environmental science. Okay. Yep. So that's that's IES. Yep. And then where does the Institute for Food and then the farm come in historically and mission-wise? Yeah. So so I'll, I'll I'll answer that question by by adding that initially the the IES program the institute offered a master's degree and that mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. Um, subsequently they began developing co-majors that were optional for undergraduates. So so the whole program in IES is is really around taking an interdisciplinary approach. And I think it was created back in the 60s 
with an eye, in seventies with an eye to address um, the creation of the EPA and these this emerging field of ecology and the environment yeah. and understanding how to how to manage various issues and and the the complexities of um, our our developed society and the natural world. Yep. Okay. And the Institute for Food emerged uh, as a concept from a professor, actually a humanities professor at, at Miami, with a, the, the, the goal of creating an interdisciplinary program at Miami uh, to provide students with experiential learning to understand the role of food in society mm. and the environment and the economics of, of food. And, and I think I'll, I'll just say sort of like from a philosophical point of view, how food really unites us all and, and unites everybody and unites kind of everything we do. Yeah. So they created this pilot farm idea and this curriculum uh, around food studies. So the the Institute for Food offers a, a co-major in food studies that follows three tracks. And, and I believe it's ecology, sustainability, and nutrition. Nice. The farm was started as a pilot program in what year? I want to say 2016 or 2017 is when okay. the the institute really got underway. Yeah. And has it struggled to find its place or its final form or has it flourished there? Because you can see where, you know, in the state of Ohio, in the center, essentially, of the country, a little bit on the eastern edge of the center of the country. Um, you know, it's one of our big agricultural belts. And uh, you could see where this pilot farm really touches on compelling intersections in everything you just said in, you know, uh, social uh, and environmental and economic um, evolution as we are seeing it. And as we've already heard, you know, Colin and Aisley are coming at this from a couple of different angles, but we all end up in the same place, which is we have to eat. And how do we feed the world, uh, let alone our own counties or farmers markets or or countries? And Aisley's already touched on the idea of sustainable agriculture. How is the farm faring at this time? Um, that's a a challenging question that you ask, Jennifer, in, in a number of ways. And I would say that in the sense that the scope and purpose of the farm and the Institute for Food really challenges people on a number of levels. And I think um, I would say it's been tremendously successful in, in really challenging people's concepts of why food and gardening and farming should matter to them. I think that the question of, of how we do that in the context of a university um, how that provides value to undergraduates and graduate students and faculty, and how it fares in challenging economic times and, and funding cycles and, and budgets has been a difficult question for us to answer, if, if that's not too unclear, to, to put it that way. No, I think that's fair. Vagueness is part of reality. And I think what I want to highlight with that question 
is not the tenuousness of the Institute for Food mm -hmm. uh, or the farm itself, but the difficulty we have as a society, whether that's individually or communally or institutionally, um, and making sure we keep our eye on the ball that food mm -hmm. is not invisible. Food production is not invisible. The yeah. food system is not invisible or it is not obscured from us because when we take our eyes off of that, things happen that we collectively know we don't want to happen. You know, and I, I think this is part of the importance of this kind of education in our institutions of higher learning um, at all levels. So we'll we'll keep going. Um, do you want to describe a little bit more about the the programming at the farm before we move to Colin and Aisley and what they're doing there? Or uh, no, actually, I think it would be wonderful to to get Colin and Aisley's perspective at at, at this point. Um, yes. So let's start with you, Colin, since you are the, in the, the graduate program, the and then we'll move to Aisley up. and her experience as a, a rising senior. Um, so, like I mentioned before, I'm a grad student with the Institute for Environment and Sustainability, and I'm helping mm -hmm. out at the farm for the summer. Um, specifically, I'm helping them get their GAP certification, which is um, good agricultural practices, and that's issued by the USDA, you know, the Department of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my job specifically with the farm is to standardize procedures making sure that there is a concrete plan in place for pretty much every aspect of the farm. You know, you need to have a solid plan in place for getting your seedlings ready, transplanting them into the ground, maintaining them, watering them, harvesting them, and washing them. Um, I'm really also spending a lot of time looking at food safety and the um, procedures that we do to make sure that the food that we distribute to people is you know, it's it's not going to make them sick or anything. We got to make sure everything is nice and clean. Um, so, yeah, I've been helping out with standardizing everything. Um, also putting together plans, weekly plans, like to-do lists, uh, so that everything we do is pre-planned rather than spur of the moment. Uh, it looks like that can be harvested today, or uh, it looks like we should be doing this. It's better to, you can be much more efficient by having everything planned out. And that's where I've been coming in for the summer. Okay, so when you say that, I am working on helping them create consistency and, um, you know, this sort of standardized, how are you doing that? Are you creating databases? Are you creating protocols? Are you, uh, yeah, give us a, give us like, what is a day in the life of doing that look like, Colin? Sure. Uh, so I showed up here at the very big, uh, very beginning of June. And I spent my first few weeks, my first month in general, just kind of doing recon. You know, I'd, I'd show up at the farm and I would, I'd help wherever I was needed. And I would just start taking notes. Okay. This is how they, this is how they wash things. This is how they, this is how they harvest things. This is how they transport things. And I started paying attention to the kinds of, to the kinds of patterns that I was seeing, you know, and what different things are done in similar ways. And in the last, yeah, two or three weeks, I've begun translating that, uh, putting together documents with basic step-by-step -step instructions for every single process that can be just given to a new worker on the farm. Somebody shows up and they can just be handed, you know, maybe printed out a piece of paper that I put together and it's got the basic steps for them to do this, 
a specific task, maybe, I don't know, uh, harvesting, harvesting zucchini. Um, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it safely. Here's how you do it responsibly. And when you're done with it, you take it and you wash them in this way uh, to keep it uh, up to code. And uh, yeah. Just for um, listeners who may not have a vision, describe the farm and the different uh, crops that you currently have in kind of size of space. You may not know the exact acreage, but maybe you do. Um, but describe the physical farm for people so they can visualize it, Colin. Sure. Yeah. So currently there's about six acres and not all of it is currently being used for growing crops right now, but there's a wide variety of crops, some that I had never even heard of before I showed up here. Uh, so they've got your basic, you know, you got your carrots, your potatoes, zucchinis, and eggplant, tomatoes, garlic, onions, but they've also got um, a li- some lesser known, you know, kohlrabi, kale, um, you got spinach and cabbage, not saying that spinach and cabbage are less known, but uh, we're also, we also recently started putting in watermelons. Pumpkins will be coming up soon. You need both of those, or particularly pumpkins. You need pumpkins for the fall season. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of everything, I feel like. Right. Is there, in, in this process that you are going through, and I think anybody who is listening will understand the, uh, the importance of creating a manual for the methodology and improving both uh, standards, but also efficiency, that if any small farm or new farmer is going to uh, be worth their salt, they're going to have to be able to do things quickly, efficiently, and safely in order to make a go of a business. And so is this, do you know, Colin, is this GAP certification something that happens every year or every couple of years? So GAP certification um, is issued and reissued annually. And it's something that verifies that the farm is it's up to code. It's handling everything responsibly in a safe manner. And they'll come in and they'll reissue uh, every year or so to make sure that your regulations aren't getting uh, lax or you're not yep. starting to slip from the standards. Yeah. Perfect. That's great. And how much longer are you there for this summer? Uh, so I'm going to be here for 10 weeks total. Currently I'm going into week seven. So I have four more weeks. Okay. Any chance you want to be a farmer now? Uh, maybe not a farmer, but I want, I do kind of want to work with this kind of stuff a little bit more. I have a much greater appreciation for it than I did at the beginning. Okay, great. Let's move to you, Aisley. Tell us about your your specific job um, and tasks there at the farm and how it fits into your overall learning. Okay, well, as I said, I've recently taken an interest into sustainable agricultural practices, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily have a structured job on the farm. Um, I I just am kind of a set of hands and I'm taking this opportunity to learn as much as I can about everything that's done on the farm. Transplanting, seeding, etc. Okay. When did you get started? I started the last week of June. Okay. And how long will you be there this summer? Until some point around August. I, I don't think we're really 
we're really set. We don't really okay. know. I think I'm the guinea pig of this. Will it? Do you think it will overlap with going back to school? Is it something you would like to continue as your classes get started in mid-August, late August? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, there's such a sense of, like, I guess, satisfaction from this work. Um, like, working with your hands and working with the plants and, like, being able to watch the seedlings you plant actually grow. Mm. Um, it's very enjoyable. I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it. So, yeah, this isn't easy work, right? No, it's, it's definitely hard. Um, it, it's, it's a lot harder than I imagined, but <laughs> the sense of like enjoyment you get when the day is done, you know, like, wow, I did that. It's, it makes it worth it. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. This week, we're in conversation with three people involved at Miami University of Ohio's Institute for Environment and Sustainability, Institute for Food Farm. Stay with us. We'll be right back for more. Hey, it's Jennifer again. The other thing that is really compelling to me in this conversation are these recurring themes. How satisfying it is to be in relationship with plants and learning about them and learning from them. Not only how satisfying, but how illuminating. And finally, the observation by Colin that a plant can grow such an incredible amount in a relatively small amount of time. And when he says this, I think to myself, but likewise, how much we as humans can grow in that exact same amount of time. And the importance of recognizing this so that we all keep growing. Ah, I love it. Okay. And I guess the only other thing I would add there is that this capacity for growth of us by humans in relationship to plants and learning about plants is therefore the importance in every school setting of presenting all humans with as much and as great a diversity of opportunity to engage with plants, to learn about plants, and to learn from plants as we are humanly able to do. More plant education in all levels of education. That's my new motto. This week, we're in conversation with three people involved at Miami University of Ohio's Institute for Environment and Sustainability, Institute for Food Farm. Colin Valentino is an IES graduate student doing a summer practicum at the farm. Aisley Carpenter is a student worker at the farm. And Ross Olson is the coordinator of Miami's Institute for Food Farm. As we come back, Ross Olson is talking more about the different interdisciplinary programming developed for students at Miami of all levels to take part 
in the farm and its resources. The farm is not a certified organic farm. Many of the practices we use follow the organic standard, but we do not rigidly adhere to it. And I would I would describe it probably as a a conventional tillage permanent raised bed approach to market gardening produce. Um, this year we did implement some cover crops that I planted over the summer season, and I, I intend um, to further develop a soil fertility program implementing cover cropping. And um, we'd love to get more source more compost possibly through the university or locally and use that um, as far as the farmer in training program we we developed a, a curriculum for a summer course um, that we had hoped to offer this year but but ran out of time and didn't have enough time to get it in the catalog and we will be offering that program next year and it will either be a two and a half week intensive like Monday through Friday, all day long course, or or possibly a more extended course through throughout um, the whole section of a summer term, a couple of days a week. And it, it would be intended to be kind of, I guess you could say like a crash course in in farming on the farm mm -hmm. in the in the peak of the season. Um, but it would be for credit and and actually would fulfill uh some of Miami's matriculation requirements that are um for all students across the university, so it would have it would have utility to to anybody just in, in terms of finishing up their degree mm -hmm. and and graduating and hopefully getting um, that experience if that was something they were they were interested in um, exploring or pursuing. Mm -hmm. I can go on to talk a little bit more about the the student engagement capacity of the farm. So. I'm not sure that that we clarified this about the role that that Aisley's in, but she's she's actually been hired on as a student worker. Um, so we we pay her. She's part time, up to full time in the summer. I think she's limited to twenty hours a week uh, during regular class time. And so her her role at the farm is is to do the work and assist in uh, running the farm, harvesting supporting you know our, our setup of the the csa which is a retail so, so she's kind of she she's the assistant you know consistent person to charles and i whose sole role at the farm is is to help us run the day-to-day -day operations of the farm without any contingent academic credit now you have students like Colin, and, and there's another student um, as well that's doing a, a practicum this summer, which is part of that IES graduate program. And it's a kind of a client-based project, uh, experiential project that uh, all of those students have to complete. And a Aisley at some point will, will be doing something similar to that. Um, and those IES students do several different kinds of projects with different clients, kind of, kind of akin to an internship. Mm -hmm. Jen is a student that Aisley mentioned. She's the fourth of five interns that we'll have through the summer and going into fall that are part of a, a program that is also a graduate program uh, in the College of Education and Health Science. And these students that are doing uh, these two-week rotations at the farm are, they're called uh, dietetics interns, and they do a, a rotating 30-week uh, period as part of their program 
where they go to different locations and do different internships. And they're, they come through the farm as part of their community outreach component of their internship. Um, so they come and help us out. Uh, they spend two weeks at a time. And that is to fulfill an academic requirement for them. It does help us out to some extent. And um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to develop that program and, and those relationships with the College of Education and, and Health Science. We're primarily funded uh, and the IES program falls under our College of Arts and Science okay. at Miami. Um, so I, I've gone on at some length to talk about those and I could keep going, but go ahead. When you look at all of the different ways in which students can and do interface with the farm and the Institute for Food, are there others that you would like people to be aware of that maybe happened over the course of the 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 count the the class you know the academic yeah, year yeah. and where do you think you are being the most successful as a farm kind of realizing this idea of the interdisciplinary innovation that this provides mm -hmm. yeah um so to to follow up on your your question about during the the regular academic year mm -hmm. the, the the fall and the spring Mm -hmm. uh, there are several classes, um, and I, I should add that that Aisley is not totally new to the farm this summer. She was in a course in the spring that she worked on a project with the farm, um, which which I would say pretty typically characterizes the the kinds of interactions that students taking courses as undergrads or graduate students would would typically do with the farm. Um, she was in a an, another project-oriented class with a, with a group, and there were two groups in her class that spent the semester in the spring um, coming out to the farm, I think for a couple hours every week, and they developed some, they did some research and developed some plans uh, that the farm could implement to help diversify crops, um, identify more perennial crops, and then there was another group that looked at developing some infrastructure and 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 further opportunities to do outreach about the farm in the community and at Miami. When you think about your greatest hopes for the ways in which the farm both physically but also philosophically manifests your greatest hopes for it what what would those be what does that look like ross so I've, I've talked a bit about how we have these different roles for students like interns or projects and classes and um this this summer even though i, I was there last summer i worked with students in the, in the in the summer and fall and then going into the spring this year and, and now summer and fall um, I would say that that a role like what Colin is playing and and the other student Brendan who's doing a practicum here, uh, I think has a lot of value in that and, and Colin maybe could speak to this a little bit more in, in that he's being brought in and and offered the opportunity to, to to see and understand what's going on here, be given some parameters. This this is what we we have for crops. That this is what we're doing each week. Um, here's what we need to do for the CSA, and and he's learning to observe and understand and and kind of systematize 
the process in a way that can be easily explained. The, the goal, is, as he was talking about before, is, is to kind of offer training materials so that students coming onto the farm have a clear sense of the tasks that they're going to do and how to accomplish them. And, and I would say one of my, my great goals, we were talking about this today, actually, while we were working on the, the garlic and the onions, would be that uh, students could come to the farm with a, a project in mind or some ambition. Maybe they, they want to create a sauerkraut or sell food to a local restaurant or get food in their, lo in, in their dining hall at Miami. And we would offer the structure and the guidance and the space at the farm for them to pursue that as a as a project and say, I think it would be really cool if we could grow, you know, cabbage and onions and peppers and make them available here on campus to somebody and actually be able to do that in the in the course of, you know, maybe a, a spring, summer, fall or, a, you know, of some period of time at their studies in Miami. Um, and that's just speaking to the kind of the experience at the farm that I think Aisley and Colin are having this summer. I would say that during during the school year, the experience that that students can expect and and what we're cultivating uh, would be, you know, opportunities for engineering students to implement projects like their capstones, which we've we've had several uh, fairly notable successful projects in infrastructure at the farm, mm -hmm. and we're continuing to pursue that relationship. Um, there are faculty that are doing major grant-funded research that are interested in partnering with the farm. Uh, in addition to, I should also add, our Miami has a, a more research-focused facility adjacent to us called the Ecology Research Center that supports mm -hmm. a lot of faculty and graduate um, grant research in environmental and e ecological and um, more advanced research concepts around farming and land, which you you came and saw mm -hmm. last yeah. fall, uh, but yeah. but there I think is an opportunity for for that kind of research to happen at the farm or happen in conjunction with the ERC. And so I I, I guess my vision would be more student and faculty led projects and programs that partner with the farm and the role of the farm maybe to be a um, a hub or a, a connector to. Uh, opportunities with other local farmers and people in in the local food space to connect the students and and faculty and and, and exciting work that people are doing at Miami with the community in a meaningful way. Let's move back to you, Colin. And as you you know think about the work that you've done and and the work that you might be inspired to do as a result of your role there at the farm, what maybe have been your greatest lessons personally so far about uh, the role of the farm or the role of food? And what do you hope to take forward with you into whatever you might go into? Well, I'm pretty sure at some point in my life, I will at least try to set up a home garden after this whole experience. Um, there's, It's really satisfying watching something that you invested so much time and effort into growing I haven't been I haven't been at the farm long enough to be with a crop from seed to harvest yet, but I have seen some pretty crazy. I didn't realize plants could grow so much in this period of time. <laughs> so it's been pretty entertaining to watch them, you know, get that much bigger. It's like raising a child in a way, um, except you get to eat it at the end. And 
so regardless of whatever regardless of whatever I wind up doing, I'm gonna try and implement this in my personal life. Uh, once I have you know my own house that I can have a garden with. As for what I might want to do professionally with this, uh, I have a lot of family in the D.C. area, and so I've spent a lot of time there, being surrounded by. Uh, the two that immediately come to mind for me are the EPA and the Department of Agriculture. And mm. I know people working in both of them as a result. I have family in both of those. And being able to have that kind of knowledge of working on a farm, coupled with the degrees that I should have, assuming nothing goes wrong, um, that should hopefully give me an edge. And I'm hoping that'll help me you know, be able to work on the farm, be able to make sure that farms are or be able to work in the USDA and make sure that farms across the nation are being, you know, up to code and providing good, fresh quality produce for people all over the country. What about you, Aisley? What, what would you say were your greatest lessons uh, to date uh, working on the farm in your two different um, experiences and how might you take some of those lessons forward in your own work? I would say it's been really interesting to see how big of a role the community plays um, at the farm. Um, being able to intern, I see a lot of different groups, um, volunteers come through the throughout the farm, and just everyone seems to be so happy and ready to help and not care that we're all sweating and dirty. And after that, we collect everything and then. All of our harvest goes to the CSA. Uh, we set up, it's sort of like a little farmer's market. And I, before I, I'd never been to the CSA, but um, we get there and we set up and everyone knows everyone. And it's just such a nice, it's just a nice thing to experience. You know, there've been studies really focused on maybe the last at least since 2016, about the decline in botanical education in our institutions of higher learning, both in the U.S. and in the United Kingdom. Is there anything, especially you, Ross, perhaps would like to add about the importance of our institutions of higher learning, whether it's Cal Poly Humboldt or um, Miami of Ohio or uh, anywhere USA, the importance of maintaining this kind of uh, educational opportunity and curriculum for students coming coming up and going out. Yeah, so I'm maybe in a unique position as a spokesperson here. I, I'm not technically faculty at Miami, even though I, I work in an academic program. I'm I'm a staff coordinator. I work with the students. I, I help set up programs and I facilitate a lot of things. And I, I but I, I do so deeply enjoy the experience that, that Aisley and Colin both described of, of working with people together and seeing their enjoyment uh, of this of this space and of the work, the, the, the difficult work together. And, and I guess what, what I would say is one of my biggest takeaways from being here is how frequently people come and when asked what they enjoyed or took away from the experience, they talk about the feeling of well-being or, the, or the, the sense of enjoyment that they had being there at the farm, 
outside, getting their hands dirty, or doing these repetitive tasks of, of planting or harvesting or processing produce. And I guess I want to try to connect those two ideas of, of just the importance of the experience itself and the, the knowledge or understanding of the work and, and the emphasis of it. And I think that because so often people describe this feeling of enjoyment, but they say it's taking my, I, I was able to take my mind off of this difficult test that I had or my my studies at school or some, you know, or, or preparing for an exam or something mm -hmm. like that. And it just took them away to a place that um, felt good and calming and relaxing to them. And, and people describe it in terms of um, being good for their mental health. And I, I don't think that we should uh, underestimate the importance of that. And, and I'm not really sure how to how to really quantify or or promote that mm -hmm. as an important element of what we're doing. But I, I think for from what I, I hear from people and, and from my experience there, that I think it does have a, a tremendous impact on people. Is there anything any of you would like to add about um, the specifics of of the education or the programming or the farm um, and its importance in bigger little ways before before we say goodbye? Yeah, so I know students they do want to learn this stuff. When I told my friends back in April that I was going to be working on the farm over the course of the summer. Um, their second reaction after their first being, we have a farm at Miami. The mm. second reaction was, that's so cool. Um, you're going to learn some awesome stuff. But then furthermore, about a month ago, we had a group, we had a big group of at least a dozen students come out. I forget what organization they were with. I think they were nutrition students. And they spent the first half of the day harvesting vegetables that they were going to use in the second half of the day for a cooking event they were each going to prepare some kind of recipe that they had planned out ahead of time and they got to harvest everything they needed or most of what they needed that day on the farm and i remember looking at them and seeing just how how excited these guys were they were having an absolute blast out there um you know what some people might interpret as you know manual labor going out there um in the heat under the sun with uh, bugs and stuff. They were all having a blast. I've been having a blast. Um, so there's a lot more of a desire to learn, you know, gardening stuff and in farm skills than people might realize. I, I just want to chime in here real quick. I, I hope Aisley get, gets to put her two cents in on this. But the group that Colin was referring to was the very first class of physician assistant students in a new health sciences program at Miami. Awesome. And and they were so much fun and they were so excited to be there. It was such a great time. And I I very much look forward to having them back. They were all saying how much they wanted to come back and volunteer. And it's been a very busy summer. It's been difficult to put anything together for them to do that. But I, I very much look forward to continuing to work with that program. And they were doing their nutrition and kind of a food as medicine segment. And one of the professors in the nutrition program had arranged that opportunity for them to come out to the farm and then prepare some meals with the produce that they harvested. Well done. Well done, Professor. Yeah. Aisley, anything you wanted to add? 
just that I, this gave me a real appreciation for getting involved with my community, something that I probably wouldn't have done before I had taken that course last spring that introduced me to the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's really important and it's really helped me a lot mentally and physically. So I guess I would just recommend it. Thank you all for being guests on the program today. It was a fantastic day that I had about a year ago visiting the campus, seeing uh, the ERC, the IES, visiting one of your general classes in which uh, a professor was asking people to integrate an on-the-land kind of project with their, their learning and their expected majors. And uh, I was just very impressed with the complexity and richness of plant-based programming there at Miami. And it's what gave me the idea to do a series on different ways in which different institutions of higher education are integrating some of this kind of education and curriculum and programming into their offerings. And I really appreciate all of your time today and sharing a little bit more about your experience. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Miami University of Ohio is located within the traditional homelands of the Miamia and Shawnee people. The university's Institute for the Environment and Sustainability, or IES, directed by Dr. Jonathan Levy, is an umbrella organization for undergraduate and graduate education and research on the environment and sustainability. Ross Olson is the coordinator of Miami's Institute for Food Farm, a project of IES. Colin Valentino is an IES graduate student doing a summer client project practicum with the farm, and Aisley Carpenter is a student worker at the farm. Both students are pursuing the Institute for Environment and Sustainability Masters of Environment program. Speaking of horticultural and plant-based education, I have two days of visits and talks coming up in the Cincinnati, Ohio area that I am so excited to share with you. I'll be spending Wednesday, September 6th in conversation with the horticultural and ecological programs at the University of Cincinnati, including a free lecture open to the public for the University of Cincinnati's College of Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning at 4.30 p.m. that day. On September 7th, Thursday, I have an evening lecture at the Civic Garden Center of Greater Cincinnati at 6.30 p.m. in advance of their annual Fall Native Plant Festival and sale happening on Saturday the 9th. The Thursday lecture is sold out, but media partner WVXU in Cincinnati still has 20 tickets to give away. Tune into the station for more information on these. Information for registering for the Wednesday talk at the University of Cincinnati can be found in this week's episode show notes or at cultivatingplace.com forward slash events. 
Join us again next week when we continue our back-to-school theme in conversation with Chad Manley and landscape architecture students from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville and their design studio titled Dancing in the Dragon's Jaw. It is unique and compelling plant and landscape education emphasizing as Chad describes, an interest in both ancient and novel approaches to living with fire, and as landscape designers seeking much deeper connection with ecology, we're very interested in the ways in which specific communities and species relate to fire throughout their life cycles. That's next week, right here. Listen in. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio, a service of CAP Radio, licensed to Chico State Enterprises. Cultivating Place is made possible in part by listeners just like you through the support button at the top right-hand corner of every page at cultivatingplace.com. Cultivating Place is also made possible through the generosity of the Caddo Shaw Foundation and by the Garden Conservancy. The Cultivating Place team includes producer and engineer Matt Fiddler, tech and web support by Angel Haracha, weekly show transcripts by Doulis Transcription, and communications support by Sheila Stern. We're based on the traditional and present homelands of the Machupta Indian tribe of the Chico Rancheria. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.